Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Behind the Movement podcast. I am Kyle Fincham. I'm so happy that you're listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, And man, am I so excited to share this episode with you. Uh, I spoke with Tamara Levinson. If you follow her on Instagram, you know her as Kuchira. Um, Yeah, we spoke last week and it was so awesome um, that like, uh, yeah, I've been thinking about it ever since then. And I'm so thrilled that I'm, I'm, I'm getting to share this all this with all of you. Um, so I'm going to get to it as quickly as possible. Um, here are my announcements. The first is behind the movement has a sponsor. Uh, yeah, my very, very dear friend, Matthew Stillman, uh, has a company called Primal Derma. And um, I'm a fan of it, and I've decided to uh, make Primal Derma the sponsor for the show. Um, Primal Derma is a general skincare product that is made from American grass-fed beef tallow. Though this might sound strange to most, though maybe not to paleotypes, this is an at least 17,000-year-old skincare tradition that has existed all over the planet. They are reclaiming this ancient practice for modern skin. If you would like more information or if you'd like to purchase some Primal Derma, you can go to primalderma.com slash behind the movement. Um, yeah, I use it pretty regularly um, and I, I, I think you'll, you'll enjoy it as much as I do. Um, some more announcements while I'm in New York. Um, I'm doing a, a, a weekly infinite play jam. I sometimes say class, but class is just because uh, it's, it's the word that kind of seems to connect with people, but it, it, it's not quite a, a class in, in the traditional sense. But we're doing a, a, a weekly infinite play every Saturday in Brooklyn from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. It's a donation-based class, so everyone is welcome. Um, if you want to join... Uh, you can um, just go to my Instagram and the exact location is there for where we meet up in Prospect Park. Um, the group is, is growing and is super playful and smiley and dynamic and exciting. So uh, yeah, if you're anywhere nearby or you're driving through and you just want to join us, uh, it would be an honor to have you. Um, also, um, if you want more updates on anything that I'm doing and, and maybe get a glimpse into some of the ideas that I think about, you can always join my newsletter that's called the moves letter and you can uh, check that out and subscribe by going to kylefincham.com coming up i'll be sharing uh some more details about some other uh workshops and things that i'll be doing uh in europe at the end of october and beginning of november it'll just be a short little run but i'll be co-teaching with my friend marlo fiskin and doing a pop-up in Berlin and maybe a few other places as well, but I'll be sharing that information as it comes together. Um, Yeah, that's what I got. I don't want to take too much time. As I said, I'm so thrilled about this conversation and this connection that I I got to have with Tamara. Um, If you're not familiar with her work, I'm going to give you some of her bio here. Tamara Kuchira Levinson was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and moved to the United States of America at age five. 
She represented the USA Rhythmic Gymnastics team in the 1992 Olympic Games just 10 years later. Growing up an athlete gave her great discipline, though her nature has always been raw, wild, and free. Once her athletic career came to an end at age 18, she made her way to New York City to explore who she was beyond the athlete. She found herself through dance, freeing all parts of her that had been put on hold up until then. First by way of underground clubs and attracted the most eccentric of beings, later through professional dance theater, Broadway, and the NYC underground scene. Her love of free movement, individualism, and emotional exploration eventually led her to a successful and ongoing 20-plus year professional dance, aerial arts, and choreography career that spanned from New York City to Hollywood and throughout the world. She eventually found herself touring with Madonna on three world tours along with handfuls of other huge pop icons. This gave Tamara a unique experience uh, few ever get to have the chance to see. Seeing the world and performing in front of hundreds of thousands of screaming fans worldwide. Her next big artistic venture came by way of her roots through a well-known avant-garde aerial group called De La Garda. She co-choreographed and performed in shows Villa Villa and Fuerza Bruta. Think rave meets aerial theater, but Tamara was curious about all forms of physical expression, so she made her way across the movement world and got to work with many iconic people, such as the legendary, legendary Twyla Tharp on Broadway's The Times Are A-Changin' and choreographed some scenes in the movie The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman. Gaining such production and creation knowledge throughout her time being in the thick of Broadway and Hollywood, Tamara naturally transitioned into directing many of her own pieces of work on stage and film. With a bag full of movement expertise, Tamara's underlying success always came from the fact that she moves through raw emotion that everyone can connect to, so it only uh, be, her natural that be natural that she organically led into guiding others to their own freedom through the body's wisdom. She began teaching workshops and master classes about tapping into the language of the body. Once we understand body talk, we can begin having real conversations with ourselves, and there is where true healing can begin. Movement took off, and a whole new inspired world opened up for Tamara. She has now been teaching movement for almost three decades all over the world, and this has changed her life and those who have incorporated the practice into their lifestyle. What does movement really look like? Think ecstatic dance, all of the most breakthrough therapy session you've ever had, or an ayahuasca ceremony where dance is the drug and transcendence the here and now. The mover returns anew, cleansed with vast knowledge of their inner world. This kind of clarity heals and transforms. This is the power of movement. Tamara continues to grow in the infinite space of somatic healing, and the work continues to evolve to find more and more of an audience every day. From Olympian to professional dancer, choreographer, artist, director, healer, Tamara is fascinated by the infinite world of emotions and how they speak to us. She does retreats and workshops all over the world. And if you're interested to learn any more, go to movement.com. That's M-O-V-M-E-A-N-T.com. You can also find her on Instagram at Kuchira. This was a really special conversation. I'm not going to waste any more time. Here it is. My chat with Tamara Levinson. When did you live in the U.S. and where were you living? I was in Washington. Well, when I moved to the United States, I went to Washington, D.C., Maryland area. 
Okay. But I consider myself more of a New Yorker because I lived in New York much longer. Like okay. from 18, I lived like from 18 to like 30 something, I was in New York. Oh, really? What part? Yeah. New York City. But I also lived in Queens. I lived in Brooklyn. I lived everywhere. I've lived everywhere. Okay. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a big part of me that's a New Yorker. I yeah. like, it's funny because I don't think of myself as American, but I think of myself as a New Yorker. Well, I guess we could go so far as to say that like New York City, because that's where I live and I've been here mm -hmm. for 17 years. Are you there now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm in Harlem right now. Okay. But like New York City is different than like the rest of the US. It's yeah, probably the same country. It's a, it's a, yeah, totally different country. I agree. And it's the only place in America where I ever felt comfortable. Mm. Anywhere else, like, I, and I've lived many places in America. You know, I was in LA. I was all over. I was all over the place. And I was like, no, no, no. And in New York, it was like, okay, yeah, this feels good. Because I feel like everyone's just being who they are, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like easy for you to be who you are. Yeah, and there's not like this weird American thing because there's so many immigrants and so much going on. Mm -hmm. Were you born there? Were you born in New York? No, I moved to New York in 2005. Like I left college early and, and moved to New York. So I moved here when I was like 20. Yeah. Uh, so I became an adult here and like, so much of it I think is beautiful and like going to Europe after being in New York like it's just like you're kind of prepared in a funny way totally but I would also say the the, the tragedy of New York is like it, it's urgency everything yeah. is very urgent everything is now like if you have three things you're hoping to move through in a day you're almost made to feel guilty for not having five or six things you know totally. like, like that's it you know and yeah. being in like Portugal and stuff it's just like oh like Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't drink your coffee and go for a walk. Like sit and like sip your coffee and like yeah. be with whoever you're with. Like these types of things. It's yeah. 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 yeah I mean, yeah, it's so true. So true. That's why when I when I was just like got to a point where I did everything I needed to do, I was mm -hmm. tired. I was like, I need to get the fuck out of New York. Cause because yeah. yeah. What do you what do you do? What do you teach? So I teach, I always I used to own a movement facility, like a studio where I In taught New York. Like, yeah, like, and at the time I'd been studying with Ido Portal for a long time. And I was okay. like, really, that's really what I was presenting. But since then, like I've created this workshop that I call Infinite Play, which is like mm -hmm. exploring like the idea or mindset of playfulness through movement. Nice. Like playing, nice. dancing, fighting, but like non-competitive and yeah. getting used to getting lost. I always say mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. how do you find that? Like, do people respond? What kind of people do you get? I mean, thankfully, like now there's a little bit of kind of, I call it a buzz, but it's like niche within a niche within a niche buzz. Yeah. But like, it's almost like now a few ecstatic dance people have shown up, some contact improv people have shown up, yeah. some jujitsu people have shown up. And now it's like, it's kind of distanced itself just a tad from like the typical movement scene. Yeah. That I realize is like probably the people who are going to like latch on the quickest. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in Europe, it was like a lot of movement facilities hosting me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like the evolution of where movement is going. Because you're talking about a niche of a niche of a niche. I mean, like I've been out of the niche my mm -hmm. entire career. And yeah. it's like, I always feel like I'm way ahead. And and that's why it's like, it's successful, but it's not successful because people aren't there yet. But yeah. where you're at is like right in the middle of like the yoga, the jujitsu, the, the, you know, portal, you know. Yeah. 
And then now it's becoming like people are like going, oh, we can move out of a structure. That's cool. But it still needs a little bit of a structure. And so that's kind of like the world, your world, where people are starting to go, okay, my husband does something similar. Mm -hmm. But I'm, and I'm all the way over here going, nah, nah, fuck all the structure. Just feel all your feelings. And people are like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) No, not yet, not yet. You know, but but this is how I ended up finding you. So like, I have a friend who hosted me in Berlin and he came and did my workshop and I did a couple pop-ups there and it wasn't even about the podcast. I think he was just like, oh, you need to connect with Tamara. Like, Mm -hmm. have you ever chatted with her? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, just like doing what you, doing your thing and seeing what you do, like you two should chat. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I should just have her on the podcast then so we can like get into it. So actually weird that we've never somehow come into the same world because I was in New York when you were in New York yeah in the same world but I'm not very social so that's probably why okay yeah I don't like people I like certain people I don't like most people (laughs) (laughs) well that's the New Yorker in you yeah (laughs) no I think that's just me that's my personal problem but um tell me tell me about like what you present um oh my whole thing is a it's a thing Uh well I mean, do you want the whole story or do you just want to know what it is? How about the whole story? Because I'm super interested. Okay. Yeah. I'll kind of back you up to the beginning. So I come from an, I was an athlete first. So I was a rhythmic gymnast and I competed. Yeah. And I competed for the United States in the Olympic games. So when I was 15 years old, so I grew up doing rhythmic gymnastics. I trained in Russia. My coach was Russian. It was like that whole story of like totally in like no school basically like school was the sport it was very intense like 10 hours of training a day like starvation the whole nine and then when I was like 18 I was like okay that's enough I quit I moved to New York I was like I have to know who I am because right now I feel like I'm a robot Mm -hmm. you know I was like a machine it was like I was trained but I had no personality to know who I was Mm -hmm. so I moved to New York at 18 and I was like, all right, one thing I know how to do is I know my body, like I know how to move my body. So I was like, I'll dance. But I, dance is a completely different world. It's completely different. It has nothing to do with sporting, except for that user body. So I integrated into dance. I had to learn that whole thing. And no one would hire me because I was like, just like very individual, too individual. So I didn't blend. Like if there's an artist, they want the dancers to blend. I didn't blend. I was just like, I'm tomorrow, you know, like here I am. So it took me forever to get a job. And then finally, Madonna hired me to go on tour with her. And I was like, of course she's going to hire me. She's an individual. She sees an individual, right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, I, I kind of broke in a little bit and I had this really great dance career, like professional dance career. And I moved to L.A., I choreographed, I directed, and I got into like the whole film world. Um, But when I was in LA, I started teaching. Uh, First, it was like dance, so it was choreography. It was like, you know, you teach a choreography to dancers and they do it. These were like the best best dancers there were. And um, then I thought to myself, you know, let's just warm up by doing just moving however we feel, because that's how I like to move. That's why I move, I move for, therapy. I mean, I've always moved like that since I was five. I've moved like that. So I thought like other people move like that, you know, especially dancers, right? You have like a relationship with your body. That's what you do. And so I said, all right, let's go. And I turned on the music and the dancers were completely frozen. Didn't know what to do. 
And I was like, what's wrong guys? They're like, well, we don't know what to do if there's no choreography. Cause I don't even know how to feel. And I don't know how to even put feelings into my body. And I don't even know how to express those feelings in my body. And I realized I was like, holy, there's like a massive gap here. Because if you take a professional dancer who supposedly their, their instrument is their body and they don't know what to do with their instrument. Like what does a normal person feel like? Holy crap, you know, like it kind of blew my mind. So I thought, okay, forget all this dancer choreography stuff. This is insane. I'm gonna start teaching movement. And I'm just gonna call it movement because I don't actually wanna call it anything, but I have to call it something. So I started teaching that to everybody, whoever wanted to come, normal people, quote unquote, dancer people, <laughs> young, old. And it was really cool. It turned into like this class kind of turned into like church where people would just come in and they knew it was their one hour to just scream and move however they wanted and just let it all out of their bodies. And then we would all leave like, <sighs> you know? And so I was like, okay, we have something here, but I need to like structure it a little bit. So I started understanding like how I did it and kind of putting a little light structure around it. And then I went and I started teaching it all over the world. I just rent out spaces and teach it, rent out spaces and teach it. And what I started to see is that not only was it totally releasing and like, poof, like a breath of like therapy, it was therapy sessions, but it was also like ritualistic. Like people told me that it was like doing ayahuasca, but without, you know, but the, the medicine was the dance. They told me that they felt free. And I mean, it, it got really deep and I started understanding, oh, what we're doing here is totally somatic. You know, we're connecting to the, in, to the emotional body. This, and then like I had people leaving class and being like, holy shit, in two hours, I just got two years of therapy, you know? I, they were like, I got more from you in this class than I did in the two years of therapy that I've been talking to my therapist. And I understood that's right because the body heals. The body has energy, the body has language, the body has talk, the body has, has its own trauma that aren't words. And so I just kept going in that direction, going on direction. So when people ask me what I teach, I just basically say it's, it's like movement therapy, but legit, like to the core. It's not cute little exercises like tap your chest or, you know, massage. No, no, no. Like we get in, we get dirty, we release it. And honestly, it's magical. It's changed my life and it's changed the life of all the people that have, you know, come into this practice. So that's what I'm saying. Like I'm in that completely that spectrum of like all the way over there where I think everybody needs it, but people don't quite understand it and they're afraid of it still. I think people, and this is my experience, is like, yeah. you know, people are almost lured into things that they can put their hands on and what they can put their hands on is words, Yeah. right? They love definitions and they love defined things and they love, yeah, things that they can go out and they can explain to like their friends at the bar after. They're like, I learned this exact thing. Let me show it to you. Right. And because then, that's not scary. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And I always say to people, I'm like, you know, especially like, like, like the second day of the, like the event. And I always say to them, I'm like, I don't really like calling it a workshop because that like yeah. makes it sound like I'm teaching you something and I'm not teaching right. you anything. I'm just like, asking questions. Yeah. But I was like, the real tragedy for all of you is you're going to have a great fucking time. Mm -hmm. And then when you go and tell your friends what happened, 
you're not going to be able to explain it. Exactly. They're going to be like, what did you do all weekend? And they're like, ah, oh, I don't know. Like we danced and there were tennis balls. And then like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Some people cried. Yeah, that was it. And they're like, mm-hmm. wait, what? what was this thing? Totally. You know? But it's in totally. this world where like people feel like they can only do things that can be explained, that can be rationalized, right? Yeah. That ha- everything has to have like a reason. And often reason is like connected to like, success and productivity and like upward trajectories and mm-hmm. optimization we're like we're not talking about any of that no we're talking no. about sensitivity we're talking about being a human animal mm-hmm. yeah like and that doesn't have a language and other people in the spaces mm-hmm. we move through absolutely totally a hundred percent but it's really just that you know like you said it's like people go to the class and then they have these like life altering experiences. I mean, people that come to my retreats have been with me for a long time, literally leave their jobs, leave their husbands, like make huge life. Because when you feel the truth of your body come alive with such like direct intention and meaning and clarity, you're like, whoa, this feels good. And this feels right. Then you can no longer lie to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's usually what happens when people come to me and then they go home and they like freak out a little bit. Cause they're like, Whoa, what just happened? What did I do? What did I unlock? Mm-hmm. And then when they have a little bit more time with it and they start to explore, they go, wait, but that felt good. And this doesn't, this life that I'm living doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And so then they begin to make shifts. Right. Because you've done this thing again, I relate to it so much. I can't wait to actually like connect and do your thing in person because I feel like there's like so much. I don't know. Yeah, some, common but, ground. Yeah, but it's like, this is what happens when you've gotten out of your own way, right? And that's why you say it's like, oh, it's like a psychedelic trip or it's like meditating or anything where it's like, you've given your ego permission to vanish in varying degrees for a little bit and like whatever, like your higher self, whatever the word is, like like the, the you're out of your own way and, and, and the truth kind of opens up or it has an opportunity to kind of sneak through just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're left with like, oh, whoa. Yeah. When I'm not and trying to hold my story up, what it what is totally. it? Like? And what's crazy about that is like it's surprising, but it's not surprising because you always knew, because you always felt it, but you numb it. So you numb it with all the ridiculous stuff, with the narrative, with the distraction, with the drugs, with whatever the heck is going on. But you stop for one moment, may it be in your class with the balls and the movement, may it be in my class with like screaming and moving, may it be in a silent meditation. When you stop for a moment in awareness and and humbleness and just go, hold on, let me just if you just be here, that's when it shows up. So, and you're not surprised by it because it's there. It's always been there. You've always felt it, mm-hmm. you know? You're just mm-hmm. now listening to it, finally. Yeah. yeah. What do you, um, this is something I've thought about, like, you know, in, I don't know if it's something you've experienced, but like, cause you do like multi-day workshops and retreats and things. And I realized what you're end up, what we end up doing is creating this container, which is like a world people get to live in that's different in many ways from the world that they walk through on like a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And then like the last day comes, right? And you're about to end and it's like, well, now we're gonna exit this container, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of like sometimes fear or struggle or how do I take some of these pieces from this world that I love so much like into like my my life? Yeah. Do you kind of talk through like call it like integration or something like with these things? 
no, I mean, what you say is true, but this is, this is two things, if I can remember them. So number one is that my work empowers you mm-hmm. because my work doesn't have a script or a book or rules or anything. It literally, that's why it's called movement because you're meant to move and you're meant to move like you. I don't want you to move like me. And actually when I teach my classes, I don't even move. Mm-hmm. I don't move at all. I sit there because I notice that people copy me if I move or they look at me and I don't want you to be me. I want you to be you. And even more, I don't want you to be you. I want you to look inside you. So that already empowers you. And so you don't leave like, oh my God, you know, tomorrow, but what if I need, no, you go, I have me. So that's the beauty about the work that I offer is that it comes from you a hundred percent. And, and usually people are really shocked by that. Cause they'll be like, you know, at first, I don't know if I can do this. And then all of a sudden they start to move. It starts to feel good that they, they don't stop. And then like three hours later, when we come out of a trance, cause it's really a meditation, it's a movement meditation. It's a trance. They go, how much time passed? And I was like, that was three hours. They go, holy crap. It felt like 30 minutes. It's because this is the fundamental original language is movement. It's movement, it's dance, it's song, it's music. It's not freaking language. That's all stuff that's conditioned and taught. And so when you remove the condition, you just go straight to the core. It feels so natural that then when you get out of the bubble, you're still in your natural. Now it's just about understanding how to put your natural in an unnatural world. And that's why then people make life changes because they go, hold up, this natural doesn't like this unnatural world. So I need to move. I need to adjust. I need to get more quiet. I need to move to Portugal, <laughs> lay by the beach, you know, like mm-hmm. so you adjust your world, which is actually a good thing because environment is a lot too, right? Yeah. And you're, you're talking about this thing that I, man, I just think it's so important because Instagram is this like really insidious place that gets us caught up on aesthetics. Yeah. Right. And that like, there's like a right and a wrong. Right. And like, all of a sudden there's judgment and like, am I allowed to, am I doing this the correct way? And that's why I admire this thing that you said about being like, I don't even move. Like, because like when they see someone who they think knows, yeah, like it's the aesthetic, I've got to perform this thing. And if I'm not doing something like that, then I shouldn't be allowed to do it. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Like, no, we're just here to move you already have the thing you're looking for. Like, let's just like unearth it. Exactly. Which is, and also it's because, and that's why I called it movement and not dance. Mm-hmm. Because to me, dance is taking movement to an elevated level, right? That's the show. That's the performance. That's the presentation. That is aesthetic. But mm-hmm. fine, we can be dancers, but we're all movers. We all move. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. It is the most natural thing. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a shame that like I, there's a friend of mine and she, she's a professional dancer. And she, she said to me, she's like, I wish we could give dance back to the people. Yeah. And that's movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think you should like, come to my class. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just that idea though, that like, yeah, you're made to right. like some people are allowed to, and some people yeah. aren't. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've had that experience in like a couple of my workshops where I'm like, I said to people, I'm like, oh, you can call it whatever you want to call it. You can call it dance. You can call it play. You can call it movement. You can call it exploring or research. I don't really care what you call it. And someone who was like a dancer was like, 
I'm really upset that you're not calling this dance because you are teaching dance. And I was like, you're calling it dance. I'm not. You can call it dance. <laughs> right. And, and she was like, well, you're disrespecting all the people who have worked so hard on dancing to do this. And I was like, well, you are making other people feel like they're not allowed to dance. Yeah. Move. I mean, that's, that's just the ego talking because, because no, no, no movement was not created by anyone at all, at all. If you, if, and the, this whole label thing is also very reductive and, and, and disconcerting because like, you know, actually I'm happier dude. I'm talking to a dude because like, for example, in my classes, I'm now getting more men, mm-hmm. but you know, it's been like, La lucha, como se dice la lucha? Like, like a war, like, you know, like a fight to get men because, you know, culturally in some cultures, American culture, you know, men aren't allowed to dance and men aren't allowed to move and men aren't allowed to move their hips and whatever. And, um, and I think it's so destructive. It's so, why can't men move? Don't they have emotions too? Aren't they human beings too? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't dancers have emotions too? Aren't they human beings too? Like it's all just a human being and all the labels on top of everything is just, is yeah, it's, it's upsetting because it, it's very limiting. Yeah, well, I think there's like, I mean, speaking to like the, the man thing, but like broadly to a lot of people, and it's probably something you've experienced too with so many people, but really the man, man thing is like Ugh. this kind of inhibiting like vulnerability. Right. So like we think vulnerability is just like what we speak, right? Like the things we're willing to talk about, but it's actually like also like in how we move, right? In your body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know if you know, do you know who Brene Brown is? Do you know she's a, she talks a lot about this, especially being like speaking like to men and being like, like we need to like give men and everybody, but really like in like, especially like Western culture, like this permission to be vulnerable and be vulnerable like not just with our words but with our bodies yeah 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 it's it's so important it's so important so like that that whole dancer thing or this thing or you're not that thing or i mean that's all just honestly bullshit it's all conditioned bullshit and in my world that none of that exists and that's what makes it so cool too is that people step into my game they know there's no judgment here there's no borders there's no lines like this is free you just be you and have have yourself some fun you know and then see what pops up and then follow the sensations and follow the feelings. And, and that's another thing, like, you know, the body holds so much emotion and it needs to move. That's why there's the word motion and emotion. Like it needs to move. If it doesn't move, it gets stuck. If it gets stuck, you get depressed, you get suicidal, you, get, you know, and I see a lot of people like at the end of that game. So usually people come to me that are suicidal because they say, no matter like I've tried everything, tried everything and nothing works. And then they come to one session with me and all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, I, at least I can breathe again. I'm like, yeah, because you just moved all those years of stuck energy in your body. I and mean, you can talk about it all day long, but until it moves, nothing's going to happen. You know, this is, this is alive. Like this feels too. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, it's, it's interesting that only now are we like, I don't want to say only now. I mean, it's been going on forever. Ever. But yeah. like now there's like in the call it the last 25 years or something like there's like the bigger talks about like somatic therapy. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a, it's like a new old thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. that I think people, because I think that there's, which is so strange to me. I think people haven't believed it, which is strange to me because I'm like, don't you feel your body, Mm -hmm. but they don't right. Cause they're numbing and distracting. Mm -hmm. So you're right. It's an old new thing. And I think that the, the 
introduction to it was like yoga because mm -hmm. yoga is a place where it's very structured. There's a lot of rules, but they also tap into that side of like somatic and it feels good, right? So you leave a yoga class and you're like, oh, I feel good. So when yoga got popular, I think people started to understand like, okay, there's something about this in the body, you know, like, like why do I feel better when I leave a yoga class? But I think that my goal is to take away all the rules and strip it completely down until you really don't have to hold your little blanket anymore. You know, you can kind of let it go. You can get off your mat and actually walk the world and not just stay on that little one piece to feel safe. Because that's when you, you can really like breathe in the world and know your place in the world and exist free. Mm -hmm. So I, I like yoga as an introduction to it. And then it comes like into your world, right? Mm -hmm. Like that Ido Portal movement. And then into your world, that's a little bit more free or see, keeps getting a little bit more freer. And mm -hmm. then eventually it'll move hopefully into my world where people aren't so afraid of, of tapping into it. Mm -hmm. you know? But I also think the reason that they're, they're very afraid besides the unknown, which we mm -hmm. talked about, is that when you tell someone like, yay, we're in a, we're going to feel our feelings. This is going to be fun. Right. Mm -hmm. They're like, hell, <laughs> hell no. I don't want to feel my feelings. But I think something important is that the way that feelings have been introduced to us in society is completely self-destructive because we're told not to feel negative feelings and to only feel positive feelings, to only show positive feelings and don't show the negative and hide it away. And this kind of push and pull really messes with us. Whereas if we can think of feelings just as like the language of the body right I'm like emoting things I'm feeling the emotion so my inner body speaking to me it's kind of telling me what's happening and it's going up to my head and then my head is feeling the feelings and trying to sort the emotions and together we can start to find a place where okay I understand what's going on and what I need to do to heal myself so in my class like feelings aren't scary when you see them that way when you just see them as like information so it's actually the emotions that are the teacher it's not me. Mm -hmm. When it's, it takes so much energy to suppress emotions. Oh my God. Like it's in, exhausting. And I don't, I, you know, I don't speak a lot, any of these other languages, but I know in the United States and like, I'm a total victim of it, but like people don't realize like how insidious language is. Right. So like when you're used to day to day going through this rigmarole of like seeing somebody you haven't seen in a while, I mean, like, how are you? And the mm -hmm. immediate response is like, oh, I'm great. I'm happy. Oh, it's such a nice day. And it's always like this feeling that things are supposed to be up, mm -hmm. right? That it's always this, like, it's good. It's great. It's this. And that's that. And then you're made to feel like, okay, well, they're great. I should be great. Like, there's never like the really honest thing. Like I have a friend, like for years and years, whenever I'd ask him, like, how are you realizing now that it's a stupid question to be asking people, mm -hmm. he would always answer like, some things are all right. And I'm like, oh. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. only recently am I like, that's, that's the honesty. Yeah. That's kind of walking the line of being like, there is the good and the bad happening simultaneously. Yeah. Light and yeah. the dark. And even like the consciousness of the pause, right? Like if someone's going to ask, how are you? Number one, ask because you're interested, not because it's just part of being polite. Mm -hmm. So first ask, how are you? And then give me the opportunity to take it in, feel mm -hmm. the feelings, right? Mm -hmm. Explore what my, my body's telling me when you ask me that. And then I can give you an honest answer back. So also the, the self-observation and the pause, like that's a lot of what I teach as well, because I think that we're, we're like 
such a slave to like giving it, like being responsive and making sure that the other person gets what they need when they need it and this rushing and this versus like stopping for a moment and being like, hmm, let me see how I feel, you know? And maybe even it's like, I don't know how I feel. I'll call you in a couple of days and let you know. Because sometimes it even takes a couple of days or a year or a lifetime to actually know how you feel. Mm -hmm. Because you haven't been practicing how you feel. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing we do in my work. Is we practice observing how we feel. Mm -hmm. And it's all in the body. Your body tells you everything. Yeah, you're, 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 we lack we have the potential, but a lot of us lack the capacity to listen deeply, right? I mean, we haven't been taught that. Like, this is what we should be being taught in schools. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're being taught bullshit, you know? Why don't schools have meditation practice? Why don't schools talk about feelings and emotions and what's going on? You know, why isn't there a class on that? That's like basic fundamental, like human rights to understand like your emotional being and your emotional body. And so if you're not even being taught, and in fact, and in fact, not only you're not being taught, but you're being pushed in the other direction, right? Like the moment that you express yourself and not all, but many of the people that see me have this experience, you know, the moment that you're, you, you're a little person and you start playing and you're making loud sounds, your parents tells you to be quiet. So already you're being repressed. You know, when you express something and it's not what your parents want to hear, they tell you how they wanted to hear it or what they don't want to hear it. And so already from like the very beginning, you're being conditioned to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Like how the hell are you supposed to be a healthy adult and understand how feelings move through you if no one ever allowed you to experience it? Mm-hmm. So like, that's literally like the introduction of my class is like, all right, let's go, you know? And everybody screams and crazy and it's, it looks like a, it looks crazy, but honestly, it feels so good. And the more that you do the work, the more you calm and the less you need the crazy because now you, you're comfortable. You know, you, you've heard yourself, mm-hmm. you've moved yourself. I think it's that so much of this is like, we kind of, we like stigmatize failure, right? Mm-hmm. And like, we see like negative emotions as failures, right? And that's like a big cultural thing too, of like, like rather than seeing failure as part of like a learning process, we see failure as like, oh, well, wow, you really messed up. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're not good, right? Yeah. As opposed to being like, oh, failure of any kind is just being human, mm-hmm. being like a creature on this planet. Yeah, or even going further and thinking that there is no such thing as failure. There's only process, Mm. you know, because is the failure really a failure? I mean, you needed that moment to teach you the next moment. Mm -hmm. So it's all, it's all just learning from being alive and that never stops. And so I, I always see that as process. I think a lot of it is about like just retraining the mind body to understand that there actually is no negative, like the negative doesn't exist, nor does positive. It's just happening. And you happen to be in a body that's experiencing it. And so if you can look at it like that, then you have this really beautiful relationship with yourself. And you can go, oh, this is what we're experiencing now. Cool. Let me be with that until that processes 
and moves on. And when you start living your life like that, what happens is that there's not these crazy up and downs anymore because there is no more good or bad. It's just fucking mm-hmm. awesome. Everything mm-hmm. is fucking awesome mm-hmm. because it's not a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And but you're, because, not, you're not in this like vicious circle of judgment. Exactly. Exactly. And so you're always like, I'm good. I'm bad. I'm good. I'm bad. She's better. She's not. It's like, it's manic. Like what the hell? How are you supposed to live your life like that? Versus if you're just literally letting things come into you, feeling them, you're processing them. And then because you have heard them, you have processed them, you have loved them, you have held them, then they naturally go. It's not that you're letting it go. This is the process. It's like evolution. It's natural. It's normal. It's like the trees, right? Mm-hmm. They, they live, they flourish, they bloom, and then they die naturally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is what I believe. And this is like literally the foundation of everything, everything that I teach and the way I live my life. Mm-hmm. And the moment that I start to, that's the conditioning to me. The conditioning is like good or bad, good or bad, you know, and good or bad can be, it's like literally in every realm of life. That's how they sell it to you. And they mm-hmm. sell it to you like that. So they can control you because now they've instilled fear in you. And when you have fear, you are in trauma. And when you are in trauma, you are frozen. And when you are frozen, you are a puppet. Mm-hmm. So it gets really deep. Mm-hmm. But if they can't touch you because you are flowing with life and processing naturally and not afraid of yourself, then no one can control you. And in fact, not even you, you're just experiencing your being. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm... I'm so on board i'm curious like when you because you started doing a lot of this stuff years ago like and you started and you started traveling and and propping these things up and being like i'm just going to get space and rent space and like go for it like Mm -hmm. what what were those like early responses were people coming out were they like reluctant oh my god people were thrilled people were like thank you for creating this space thank because i'm still the only one that does this you know Mm -hmm. Like there's versions, there's safe versions of this, like an ecstatic dance is a safe version of this, but this isn't what I do, mm-hmm. you know, because I guide you towards it. Like, I don't just have a room with music, which is also a nice, again, it's kind of like a yoga, right? Like a nice introduction, a safe introduction into your expression or your freedom or your emotional body. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I put this together, this, this secret, formula that's structured and unstructured whatever it is I don't even know how to explain it yeah people would just come into class terrified but they knew they needed it and they were like okay woman I saw you on Instagram or I saw you here I saw you there there's something about you everyone said the same thing something about you that I like that I want and and they always said it's like uh I'm a wild woman I'm savage I'm just raw which is true like I just do what I want to do when I want to do it and I don't don't think I don't think my mind is always pretty much fucking empty, right? And so they're like, I want to feel that. I want to feel that. I was like, great, let's go. And so I think that initially there's like that fear because of the unknown. And then once they slip into it, it is like, oh my God, it is the best thing in the world, Kyle. And they leave and, and that's it. It's like glorious. And most people stay with me for years, for years. They just come to this play shop or, or this retreat or we'll do an online class or you know, like we'll keep seeing each other when they feel like they're going back into that conditioning or the fear. Then we come back and we rip it apart and we come back because the cool thing is that this isn't difficult because your body knows this because this is human. It's human. It's natural. This was you when you came out of your mama. And the first thing you did was scream, you know, 
and look around and be curious and touch things and explore without fear. This is natural. This is our natural state. So it's really easy to just come right back to it. And that's what I find like people are actually like, it's a breath of fresh air. And I, I just like, for me, I just hope that more people come because I think so many people need this and they don't know either that it's there or they don't know that they can. They really don't know that they can, but they can. I often have people at the end of my workshops be like, oh, do you ever do this with kids? And I'm like, yeah, totally. yeah. I've done a bunch of them with kids. And they're like, well, what's the difference? And I was like, it's a very small difference. And I'll tell you exactly what <laughs> tell it me, is. Tell me, tell me. One, it's only this. Kids need to do it so that they don't lose it. Yeah. <laughs> adults, need, adults need to do it to be reminded that it's still there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like it's not, it's not rocket science. Like no. this is, not, this is not a learning process. Like I said earlier, it's an unearthing process. And an unlearning process is deleting right. files. That they put you in that you, that don't belong to you. That don't make I, sense to you. I think about this thing that happens with children and yeah. I, I've brought it up before. We're like, there's like a very small child, like they're a year old and now they can walk right. And they're on a playground and they do that little, like little person waddle. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they trip and they fall and they bump their butt, but then they just bounce back up and start walking again without doing anything because mm-hmm. to them, it's all part of the game. And there's this sad thing that happens like at like two years old or three years old, where there's been like kind of that insidiousness of like who you are, who you're supposed to be a little bit of judgment starting to trickle in the same fall happens. And then they look around That's to right. see like who saw it. And I'm like, That's the thing. Right. That's what we want to like. Yep. Start pushing away from it and get back to the like bounce your butt and get back up. Totally, totally. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, I it's funny because they asked me the same thing about the kids. Mm-hmm. And I've had a similar experience. I taught kids um all ages, and this is what's interesting. I think you'll find this interesting. That the little little ones, they just like for them, it's the easiest thing in the world. You know, like I don't even have to do anything. I'm just like, let's go. And they just go crazy, and there's no judgment, there's no nothing. And the parents are always like, you're going to have them be still in meditation at the end of the class. I'm like, yeah, watch, watch. So they get out all the energy, right? Which is how it's supposed to be for all of us, which is why you have to move your body. You have to get out the energy no matter what age. And then at the end of the class, they're always like in meditation for like a half hour and they wake up and they're so cute. They're always like, that feels so good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the parents are like, what did you do to them? Uh Then you get up to like, the higher age groups now you're going into like 12 11 teenagers right and that is just when you see it it's all the judgment is in there everything is in there and they're just closing up completely and i think that if you can catch them like there if you can catch them there i think that adults will be healthier later and that's what i'm saying like why is this stuff not being taught in schools mm-hmm. you know because then when it's once that that is trapped in your body as an adult. And then you go out into the world and then you're trying to do all these things in the world that just don't even make sense. Like the nine to five, which doesn't make sense to me either. I have so many problems with the world. Then you're like trapped in this body that is just so submissive and repressed. And then you're trapped in a world that's so submissive and repressed. So of course people are gonna explode. Of course people are gonna murder. Of course people are gonna do like fucking, you know, shootings. Like. Like, I'm always also very surprised why people think that's weird when people do that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, are you seeing the world? Are you seeing all of this stuff that's happening inside our bodies and no one addresses it and no one gives safe space for it to, to go safely? 
mm-hmm. course it's going to explode. Well, it's like not having this, like, um, this healthy and honest relationship with grief and grief is not always like death, but it's kind of the whole spectrum of like sadness, sorrow, all those Everything. things. And there's so much like, I remember like, you know, being in, coming up in the United States and people are always like, oh, get yourself under control or control yourself. I hate that. And that's basically saying like, don't honor like all of the things that you're going through. And I think about, um, I read this book, uh, My Grandmother's Hands, which is about like racialized trauma, especially like in the United States. And like, it alludes to like things that have gone on for thousands of years where like cultures were like moving trauma and it was actually just a little more intuitive it wasn't like well here's the scientific reason of like moving in this way it was like oh like groups would gather and dance together because like they were like moving trauma they were like doing it as a group because they knew that it mattered the same way that like if a if a elk or or a deer was attacked and it got away Mm -hmm. right it would it would shake on its own to like move the trauma through but now we do this thing where it's like oh like these traumatic things happened like oh control yourself yeah i mean it's destructive it's completely self-destructive completely Mm -hmm. Mm self-destructive and again it's the same thing that we're talking about there's not a good or bad emotion it all just needs to move i mean what is trauma trauma is stuck energy that you just stuck in your body and held in your body because you were told that you couldn't get it out Mm-hmm. So then it becomes, the longer it gets, that stays in there, the more toxic it becomes, the more hard and black and dull and numb it becomes. And it has to get out. It has mm-hmm. to get out. So it's going to come out however it comes out. It can come out in a movement class or it can come out in a shooting. You mm-hmm. choose. You know, like, again, why is this stuff not in schools? Yeah. Why are we not giving kids and people a place to safely express? Yeah. And move. Well, it's almost like, you know, like a competitive culture benefits from there being rights and wrongs and judgments because then there's a winner and a loser. And like, to me, that's like so much of like the bedrock of at least like the society that I move through, right? Mm-hmm. It's like competitiveness breeds kind of all of these things. Right, which is why you got rid of the competition. You're just like, let's just do the things, right? I'm done, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I'm a, I'm. I'm totally like, we're here to like do cooperation on yeah. every level. So it's like, how do I fight and roughhouse in a cooperative way? Yeah. Right? yeah. How do we do all of these things in a cooperative way? Like thinking about someone else, listening to other people, listening to ourselves yeah. in this way that we're like not judging, not beating up, not dominating, not defeating because the world looks so much different, like from just a mindset perspective, mm-hmm. when we're like, mm-hmm. how do we show up right now and cooperate with one another, even in a conversation, rather than being like, well, how do we one up one another and like have this like kind of competitive, like jousting? That's, you know? that's exhausting. Yeah. 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 Even, I'm, I'm even, even in discourse, different. even mm-hmm. in discourse, there's a way to do it cooperatively. Totally. Yeah. And that's another thing, like there, there doesn't have to be an agreement. And that's another thing I always say, like everything that I put out, in my work or anytime, you can agree or disagree. It actually doesn't matter. It's just stuff. And it's stuff that distracts you so that you can actually focus inwards. You know what I mean? So it's not, it's like almost like if if you're shooting fireworks everywhere and then you're kind of choosing which colors you like and you're like, okay, I like the blue and you're gonna go towards the blue and you choose the blue. It doesn't matter if the red or the white or the yellow speak to you or not. It's just like, it's good to shoot out stuff 
and then see what calls you and then go towards that and investigate that. And then you open a little portal and then that portal opens a little portal. This is how it feels in my body when I move. Mm -hmm. It's exactly that. So there is actually no competition. There's no opinions. There's no structure. And then it just becomes this big open space to be, you know? And in this space, like you can see yourself. You can see yourself. And when you see yourself, it's so powerful when you see yourself without the opinions of everybody else, because mm -hmm. then you have clarity and with clarity, then you can choose and choice, choice is everything, you know, to be able to choose is everything. But if you're in a sea of confusion, because you have to compete, because you have to worry about what this person said or that person said, how can you even see yourself to even make a choice? It's too muddled. Yeah, because those things are all playing to these different stories about who you are, or who you think you're supposed to be, or who other people think you're supposed to be. When yeah. like, when the below all of that is like, it's just you. Is, is yeah, is like the pure awareness, the pure. That's it. Whatever. That's yeah. it. That's it. And even beyond you, even beyond you. I mean, I know when I go to the deepest stages of of my whatever you want to call it, being or movement meditation. I don't even have a word for it. I mean, my body is completely gone and, you know, I've had near death experiences and that's exactly what happened. And it was my first near death experience where I was like, oh, oh, this is great. Because what happened was I fell on my head. I had a full seizure. It was in the middle of a show actually. It was hilarious, but it was the most beautiful thing in the world. And I'm not condoning like, you know, go ahead, people die. Don't do that. But it opened my eyes to something was that I left my body and my body felt completely weightless and I just started floating and I can never explain the sensation, but it was like pure freedom, pure freedom. I mean, it was an unbelievable feeling. And actually when I got woken up out of my, my seizure and I came back, I was like, oh man, I went, you know, from the most peaceful, quiet floating state to like complete chaos. But what I got from that experience was like, Oh, that's what everyone talks about. That's, that's it. Okay, let me see if I can find that because I know that I found that many times in my life. When I've danced, I find that. When I dance, I find that. I get lost, you know? Mm -hmm. When I love, when I'm in love, I find that. It's like, oh, you know, you're, you're gone. You're gone. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I started like really trying to find that in my work. And, and, the cool thing is that you can totally go there. You know, we have natural DMT in our bodies. So once you kind of access that, which is why it feels like an ayahuasca trip sometimes, because mm -hmm. once you know how to access that in your body, through your breath, through your movement, through your consciousness, through your awareness, through however you get there, because everyone gets there differently, then you feel that space. And once you feel that space, all of that bullshit goes, all of that. All of that, all that labeling, all that competition, all that, am I doing it right? Like all of that, none of that exists anymore. Mm. Like truly, I never even think about that stuff. And when people bring it up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. That's the way I guess mm. the world is, you know? Yeah, and, and also like in these, these times and these periods, like when you see yourself in that really authentic way, there's also this really beautiful thing that can happen where you feel seen by other people. Yeah. which is, I also think a very unique experience. Yes. Right? Where, yes. Because most people are like looking or they're judging, but like to be 
really seen is to be like witnessed. That's right. But they can now see you because you saw yourself. Yeah. And when you see yourself, there's no more hiding. You become transparent. Mm -hmm. Totally, Kyle. Totally. That's how I met my husband. Mm -hmm. And those are exactly the words he said. He's like, I see you. And I'm like, that's fantastic. (laughs) You know, because I thought that's great. Because if he sees me, that means that I'm open. I'm here. I'm available. Mm -hmm. I'm not scared. I want to share this with you. Yeah. I don't. I, man, I, it's, I don't share this often. There are people who are close to me who I've shared it with, and maybe I talked about it somewhere down the road, but this is that thing, right? And like you talked about this near-death experience, um, but I, when I was in high school, had this really tragic event where I had befriended um, this guy who was like the, the attendance officer of the school. Hmm. Like during a free period, I'd go and sit and chat with him. And like, I didn't have a relationship with my dad. So like male mentors were like important to me we had like this really beautiful friendship and I didn't share about it with a lot of people, you know, because he was the attendance officer. So a lot of people in school didn't like him. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was like near the end of my junior year. And I saw him in the hallway and I was like, Hey, how are you? How's everything going? And he was like, Oh, like, I'm not really having a great day. Like when you get a chance, like come by my office, like we should sit and chat a little bit. Mm -hmm. I was 17 and just like went off and didn't go to the office and did whatever I did. Yeah. The next day he wasn't at school. The following day, we find out that he had committed suicide. I just totally like suppressed it all because like nobody knew that I had this friendship in this way, right? I get to theater school two years later and we're in an acting class and the acting teacher who I realize now is a genius. Mm -hmm. He was like, we're going to do this game and it's called your perfect scene. And it's where you get to go back to one moment in your life and relive it and do what you think you should have done mm. or what you wish you would have done. Mm. There's a class full of like 20 people, right? And I pull someone up on stage and I kind of tell them like what I'm going to do. And I'm like, I just want to go to this office and have this conversation. And I sat down and I started chatting and I can't tell you what I said. I don't remember any of it. Mm-hmm. I just remember yep. like emotions shooting out of my body. Yes. I don't know how long it went on for. I was moved by like what happened and then finishing and looking over and seeing all these people looking at me and like seeing that, like that, that other thing. I didn't think about what I was saying. It just ah, happened. And that's what I can relate to when you're talking about that near death thing. It's like, oh, that moment of just like clarity. And it's just like, you know, you felt it, you said it, you just felt it in your body. It was like this body embodied release. It wasn't the words. Mm-hmm. And you had been probably you felt the lightness, right? Like you have been holding on to that consciously or unconsciously was in you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the feeling. And that's the, thing. That's the feeling. What mm-hmm. exactly, Kyle? Yes, fuck yes, I'm motivated. We should be <laughs> down here now. I feel like yeah. and after and after that, what did you feel after that? Like, like once you let that breathe. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was like, it was complete, like, it was a feeling that I can only describe as like restful. Yes. Right. Amen. Yes. Exactly. Of like, and I don't want to say that it's a weight being removed, but maybe that's a comparison, but it's like, it's just pure, authentic rest. Yes. That's exactly. Okay. So this is my point. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So this is the thing. That's what people feel after, remember you asked me, how do people feel when they come and they don't, that's what they feel at the end. 
And so that's why I always am like, I know you're scared. You're scared to tell me that story. I know you're scared to come. I know you're scared to be with that story. But once you just let your body express the story, you can rest. You can rest. It's like a breath of air. You can breathe like you've never breathed before. Mm -hmm. You know, because, because you're allowing yourself again to process. This is so important. Mm -hmm. I mean, and also you probably felt like, my God, you probably had a lot of energy too. Like to hold on to something like that is, is also exhausting, you know? Well, it's made me think more and more. I mean, I was 18 at the time. This is, I'm now 20 years past that and other things are going on in my life and like going through some of the stuff and presenting play and like all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, like we can be like this all the time. Uh-huh. That's the, that's like when we talk about like, you know, whatever enlightenment or something, it's, we're not talking about perfection. No. We're talking about like being there. We're talking about like, this is, this is what present is, That's right? It. It's present is honoring the, this exact moment and what's happening authentically. That's it. That's and it. That's all it is. And we have this rich potential to be like, that's a, just an extreme of that moment of that's like right. honest being there honestly, but like we can be there honestly for all the things. And, and it's like, what are we all missing out on by Nike not being there? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing is that it's not even a potential that we can. We can because we are. The problem is that we are conditioned not to be. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you, you're totally understanding it. So this mm -hmm. brings up so many things in my head. Mm -hmm. Like number one is like, let's go back to the girl that was like, you know, you're, te you're teaching dance. Why aren't you calling it dance? Like, see, she doesn't get it because she, she, didn't, she doesn't see it because she's put it away because she can't remember it. Mm -hmm. But if she has a moment, that moment in her way, she's going to remember. And then she's going to look back and go, the fuck was I even talking about? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, what, what is that? That wasn't, that was ridiculous. What I said is like, this is like, again, the most basic of the human experience. And I want to say this too. So imagine if we were all, all the whole world existing on that plane all the time, what would happen? We would have peace. We would have peace. And this is why when people are like, oh, so, you know, tomorrow, what do you teach? Static dance, teach yoga, you teach dance. I'm like, no, fuck. I teach peace, man. This is like world peace shit I'm doing. You know, but that's really how I see it. Because just Im imagine that, Kyle. You wouldn't have war. People wouldn't be wasting their time on power tripping stuff. Because you, there's nothing to prove. You feel good. You know, there's no trauma. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, why, this is why this is why I call my workshop infinite play. Right? I love that. Because the idea is like, what does the world look like if we play to keep the play going? Yeah. With ourselves, yep. with other people, with the, the environments. Like, how does it look if we, because that's basically saying, what if we all dance with each other rather mm -hmm. than trying to defeat each other? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, but like, part of being able to do that is this thing that we're talking about of like, we need to be, have that rich capacity to listen, like unearthed. Yeah. And we need a space to do it safely and, and whilst being held, because also now we are coming all from these different traumatic experiences. So there's going to be levels to this, you know? And so there needs to be more spaces like this. That's why I'm like, when I meet people like you or you know, uh, people that are doing similar aspects of what we're doing. It's like, thank you. Thanks for being of service. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you know, we don't get paid. Mm-mm. You know, I'm poor as fuck. I don't know about you. <laughs> I've been trying to buy land to make a retreat center that these people can come to whenever they want since I was like five years old and I'm still not close. Uh-huh. But like, you know, we are, we are serving, we are serving society. We're serving goodness and, and people. And it's not dance. This is what I just wish people would understand. Like it's not dance. It's not a tennis ball. It's not a game. It's, not, it's just like, it's just a place to breathe and be, you know? Right. However, we're doing it these, however, we're doing it these, the con, I always say the content is bullshit. Really, I don't care about the content. The yeah. content is just a vehicle for my message. You can, I can shuffle out all that content and use different content. The content is- That's right. It doesn't matter. It's just like, this is what we do to come together and unite in, in truth, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever talk- we want to bring, whatever mm-hmm. we want to bring. And when you talk about like, you know, being poor and not having money, I super relate to it. It's something like- <laughs> It's something that I know, but I had this conversation not yeah. too long ago. Do you know Josef Bartz, who's in Berlin? The name sounds familiar, yeah. but I know. When I was in Berlin, he and I sat down and had this conversation. We called it like the economics of movement. And I said, and I've said it over and over that like the thing that I struggle with, and maybe this is what you can relate to, is that like, like the idea that everything is supposed to be commodified, yeah. right? And this yeah. thing that we're talking about is something that like at every other point in history, would have never been a commodity. It would have just been like part of the wisdom of the community because we knew that it mattered that everybody had it. That's right. It's cultural. It's like the fire dance. It's like, you know, when people come together and they just dance together in community or have rituals. It's just Mm -hmm. that. It's really just that at its core. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, we live in a different world. Right. But I said to him, I was like, I struggle because I want to make it accessible. Yeah, that's the hardest part. It shouldn't just be for some people. Like, how do I find a way to like, be like, make it however, ways that as many different people as possible because I've been to so many movement things and movement workshops and classes where I look around the room and I'm like, it's pretty much the same person. Yeah, that's the hardest part of of what we do. And which is why like, well, my dream is to buy land in the South of Portugal Mm -hmm. and just, you know, build... Yeah, a simple retreat center where, you know, you have different price points, you have also different times that people would stay because people process at different times, right? Like a retreat is very nice, but some people don't process in a week. Some people need two months, some people need a year. And so a way that, you know, that people can access that and take their time. So that's the other thing about our world. I feel like, I mean, we talked about this New York City, right? Like mm-hmm. everything is so rushed. It's so rushed. And I like my, the first, whenever I think rushed, I always think of auditioning as a dancer. You know, it was like, I did all these things that I, you know, I trained and then I would get into an audition room and I would have like five minutes to prove myself. And it always felt so like, hold on, like, let me take a breath so that I can see myself so you can see me. Mm -hmm. And I always carry that kind of feeling with me. You know, when I teach, I always try to like, hold on, if this was an audition, let them see themselves so that I can see them and we can have this conversation. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's the space of like, you know, not having to to pay your your life's work for like one class would be really nice. That's mm-hmm. that's so hard, especially in our world. No, I mean, it's, it's so, so, so difficult. But like, but I think about that thing you said, you're like, no, 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 like this, the world looks different. Yeah. Not just like, oh, yeah. like, some people are going to be really stoked if they have a handstand and I'm not anti-handstand, but like, no, no. Yeah. but that, yeah. but that, but a handstand to me is a little bit more like, oh, it's like an iPhone. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you want to put in the work and then be able to buy the thing. That's a good comparison. You know? 
but like the world looks so much different if we have like this if we tap into this ability to communicate that already exists inside of us yeah yeah and when you know that you're just like oh like i know i don't want to turn people away i know i know i know god i know this is like yeah i don't have a solution for this one yet if i do i'll tell you or you tell me when you find it because yeah. it's the hardest part but it's i think it's I mean, being an artist sounds like you're an artist too, my whole life, you know, that's been the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Then I stop and I think to myself, like, you know what though? Also, who the fuck cares? Because I'm going to die one day. We're all going to die. Mm-hmm. And my life story is not going to be about the money that I made, you know? Mm-hmm. My life story is going to be like who I was, who I was. I mean, I can cry just thinking about it because it's that important to me. That's what's important to me, like who I am. Mm-hmm not who I am as how you see me, but how I exist, you know, in the truth that I exist. Like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I feel like sometimes that money thing gets like into that lie world. And I don't know. I don't know. Money is a, a, a strange beast, strange beast for me to even conceptualize because it doesn't work in my world. I wish it did. Yeah. yeah. You no, I no, I relate because like tragically, like I do everything I can to not let money influence the choices I make and what I present. Yeah. Because, like, when that happens, it changes. Yes. I and know. I don't, I don't <laughs> want it to change. I'm like, no, like I want you all to like get to have the thing yeah. in like its most authentic way because I believe that that's what matters. And when I think that I need to make certain dollars off it, yeah. It, it, something happens. Yeah. You know? And I can't yeah. always articulate it, but I can explain it because like, you know, we didn't talk about this, but I did stand up comedy for 10 years in New York City. Like that was like my whole life before I did movement. And like, I realized how that changed when I thought I needed to make money, how that art form changed and how yeah I was depressed and unhappy because I was like, oh, greed is driving this art for me now. And it's changed everything about how I do it. Right, right. That's why it has to be authentic. You have to care. I think if you come from a place of caring, then, it, then it's always, yeah. It, it kind of plays itself out. Like it, you know, I guess I find ways, like for example, if I'm going to teach a private, then I charge what I charge. But then at the same time, you know, if I see someone doesn't have, I try when I can to give it to them for a discount or I'll do a festival, you know, where people can get a really cheap ticket and experience me that way. Or like, like I try to- different ways, yeah. Yeah, like I try to really not say no to things. Like try everything, do the full circle, do everything. Yeah. Sometimes I, it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't know. I hey, don't know. I appreciate it though. But I mean, it's like you got to go out there and like stumble a little bit and see like where there's the ways. Yeah. 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 I super admire that. So, wait, where in Portugal are you? Are you near Lisbon? I'm in Cascais, which is 40 minutes from Lisbon. It's actually beautiful here because I'm on the beach. So, I'm going to be in Lisbon. You are? What? Yeah. Uh, the beginning of November. Oh, I'm going to be in the US. Oh, no. No, but you know who you should actually meet hmm. is my husband. Oh, yeah. You and him are, yeah. Okay. He's, you, yeah, you'll get it when you meet him. Really, honestly, you should meet him. Okay. Yeah, will you put us in contact? Yeah, I will. Because, yeah, I really think there'll be a nice, nice connection there. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Well, I can't. Together, you can play a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but I'll be in, in November. I'll be in, actually, I'll be in New York. Because I'm oh. teaching a workshop. I'm teaching a workshop in New York. What, so, what dates are you teaching a workshop in New York? Um, let me see. So I'll be there. Maybe I'll be back by then. Who knows? Uh, 
my God, it's so hot here. Um, okay, so let's see. November 27th. Oh, I'll be back. Oh, <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Yeah, the beginning of November, I'll be in Maryland. So I'll be doing like stuff. People can come see me for privates. And then November 27th, from 12 to 3 in New York City. Where at in New York? Um, it's called The Green Space. You know it in Queens? No. So yeah, if you go on my website, movement.com, it's spelled M-O-V-M-E-A-N-T. So move without the E, meant. Mm-hmm. Um, click on upcoming play shops, then it'll take you there. You'll see all the information. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, you should, you should come I'm going to be that. there for sure. No, I'm, I'm, I'm already committed. Yeah. Cause and, yeah. Cause I don't know. I just, whenever I go to see my parents in Maryland, then I'll usually make a, a little quick trip to New York. And if okay. I can do a workshop, I call them play shops. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to start using that too. Go because, ahead. Use it. Use it. I give yeah, it to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I think the word work is like, it it's doesn't weird. Yeah. It doesn't work. Work doesn't um, work. Yeah. So tell me more, like if people want to connect with you, like they can go to your website, does Instagram yeah. a good place to, to connect with you as well? Yeah, they can DM me on Instagram. I'm Kuchira, C-U-C-H-I-R-A. Okay. And um, what else do I have? I have a retreat in 2020. We do one every year, me and my husband. They're mm-hmm. really fun. Mm-hmm. You would love it too. Um, when is it? It's August 6th to the 13th, 2023. So, okay. Is that going to be in Portugal? It's in Portugal. Yeah, yeah. It's in Algezer, which is the south. Super okay. nice. Super okay. nice. And what do I have? And I'm doing a, if you got European listeners, I have a London play shop too. Uh, October 22nd at 11 a.m. at the place. Nice. Yeah. And then I do online classes and I have, you know, a whole like online thing. Anyway, if people want to find out all the stuff, they can just go to the website or DM me or whatever. We can talk. Amazing. I feel like we need to do this at least one more time at some point because this okay. is this i'm is, down no we're friends forever we're friends yeah. forever 